0: People I can connect to. People, when I show up and I can be genuine and I can be transparent, I can be vulnerable and I show up that way every time, you're not gonna have to question, okay, who who is this, what's it for, what's the reason? My, My goal is to elevate every person around me and to help our industry get better.
1: And welcome everybody to a quality Podcast season two. We are happy to have with us today, Jennifer Lacey. You guys probably know Jennifer because she's one of the awesome people on LinkedIn, very engaged and discusses plenty of stuff with folks that are willing to have a good, honest discussion. So we are so happy to have you on, Jennifer, to talk to us about lean and culture and putting people first in lean today. Fantastic topic. I know it's really close to uh, the heart of John Thacker and John Thacker. Um, who are joining you today via podcast. So welcome, Jennifer.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm excited.
1: All right. Well, we're excited to have you. So for those of you that don't know Jennifer, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days?
0: Okay. So I currently, uh, my day job is I am, uh, I work for Robbins and Morton. We are a healthcare GC, work um, all across the country. And I'm based out of Dallas and my role is our lean practice leader, which um, really is just I all, all of our jobs, all of our projects, all of our people, all of our offices are my customer. How do I help them with process improvement? How do I help them with leadership development? You know, what does that look like on our projects when we look at culture and the people part of lean? And I think I just, again, processes are in there and tools are in there, but I really focus on how the people play a part of that.
1: Awesome. John, what do you think about that? I would like to
2: start with a hard-hitting question, John, and that's Jennifer. You work in a place that's distributed. You're doing healthcare GC work all across the country, I imagine. How do you have an impact on culture when you aren't physically there? What does that approach look like?
0: That's a great question. And so I think, number one, when you're talking about culture at any point within a business or even on a project it has to start with the, uh, the buy-in from the top and the support from the people that actually you know, make a lot of decisions that have to do with work we do and the people we work with. And so having that leadership buy-in from the top and their commitment to us establishing that culture early, all of our new hires, every person that comes within our company goes through in a kind of a cultural alignment class with me. And then every project that kicks off goes through an in alignment internally for Robbins and Morton. Uh, folks on job and then we also then have an alignment with our clients and our designers to kind of let them know what that culture looks like so that helps a little bit when you can start off the projects like that
2: yeah absolutely so how is your approach to getting buy-in from the guy that leads the team actually out in the field
0: so uh, again we're all going into our seventh year on our kind of our internal lean journey uh, officially we've had we have a couple of projects that have guys that have been, Um, on a IPD jobs, probably about 10 years ago. And some of those things kind of started organically. And then as a company about seven years ago, decided we were going to do that and really be intentional in that approach. And so one, when you have leadership buy-in, that helps a lot because it's not just me trying to push a rope. Um, But also we have a lot of organic growth within the company over the last seven years that maybe people that were on, uh, you know, high high performance uh, teams that were doing lean And then now they're on on other jobs and then again for me i can go in and i can say a lot of things but when they're hearing it from their peers and they're seeing other things happening on projects that are similar to theirs or in roles that um, you know are things that they support that to me is where i found the most value
1: awesome well thank you for sharing a little bit about your background for folks out there we'll have a a link in the Down below, thing for folks to connect with you on uh, LinkedIn. Um, So culture and people, right? People, people and lean, putting people first, um, keeping your priorities straight. All that, of course. You know, for Jake and I, we we center around this topic partly because uh, we actually like people. uh, Surprise, surprise. Um, Partly because we've been victims, you know, we had Lean done to us in the past, you know, and it uh, didn't work and it wasn't fun. Um, And partly because we've had the opportunity to see Lean and continuous improvement actually work. And when it does, it's people-centric, right, and people first. And we're excited about uh, living in a world and going to work in a space where people are valued and important and matter um so language yeah absolutely words it's like that
0: um
1: so it's an interesting conversation because i have experience in automotive supply chain that's probably where i got the most exposure to actual lean um and most of those cultures are kind of crappy um I know, you know, I don't want to tip over anyone's sacred cow, but I've worked with all the major auto manufacturers, including a very popular one, you know, that starts with a T, um, not Tesla. And I can tell you that uh, the culture is not fantastic. I'm sure it depends on which plant you're in, who you're interacting with, uh, but there's still very much um, a patriarchal type of culture. Right, so top-down authoritarian uh, approach, no matter how much you know, you involve people, like when you're telling people you have to be involved, like you have to have ideas, you have to solve this problem. Um, it's, it's really the same flavor. It's just the methodology that has changed, right? So you can have a boss that says, you're gonna do it this way or else, or they can say, you're gonna figure out a way to find it out for yourself or else there's not really a difference experientially, right? Or not much of a difference.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like voting in Brazil. You know, the legal requirement <laughs> that everybody votes. And so you get these guys like Superman almost got elected in Brazil because it nobody cares at all now that you're obligating them to do it.
1: Right. Well, next year, they won't allow you to write in your ballot. You know, you'll have to choose from the one candidate. <laughs> and there's countries like that already, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Voting in China. Here's your one choice. Go out and vote. (laughs) Um, So I bring that up because, you know, there's, um, I think, a change in people and culture. And, uh, you know, what people are sort of willing to tolerate. Uh, at the workplace, we've seen this whole great resignation. And maybe there's probably a little too much drama around that. um, But it is a real thing. And the way that people want to be treated at work has changed pretty dramatically. So tell me a little bit about that, Jennifer.
0: Well, I I mean, again, I I, my I say this over and over again, people just want to matter. I mean, again, whether they're, you know, they're having a hard day, or they're just, you know, not very nice people, you know, again, they want to be, they want to matter. They want their work to matter. And I think when we have, a, when we've approached it in the past, it's work, work, work. We focus on the work, your end results, define your worth. If you can do what we ask you to do, then you are elevated because you've done exactly what i what, what I've asked you to do. And if you are, are trying to do something different, or you come up with a better idea, or you're saying that something is wrong, or there's a better way, then you're just bucking the system. And that, that, I mean, that's tradition, that's construction. That's, I mean, that's, and we've had a lot of success with things that people are just doing what they're told to do. But I think in this day and age, and as we know, the construction industry is broken and that if if we want it to get better, we've got to look at ways to do that. And I think in the past, um, you hold it close to you that you have all the knowledge and you have the experience and you are able to bring that into the conversation and go, I'm the expert. And I can do this, and I've done it, and I have proven it, and I've made a lot of money. And why do I need to change?
2: And that didn't really- our didn't uh, something come out from our earlier conversation this morning? Construction something like half as productive as other comparative industries.
0: Well, it's because we keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different. That's the definition of insanity, right?
1: <laughs> well, so some historical um, background, right? That I think is relevant in the Middle Ages. The stonemasons guilds um, got uh, contracted by various uh, dioceses or parishes or whatever the hell they're called uh, to build these cathedrals. And of course, you know, a cathedral lasts for a really damn long time. So, you know, once you build it, you know, there's, there's a instant market saturation for maybe 50 miles for pilgrimages because, you know, back then 50 miles was a long time. Especially if you were uh, agrarian, uh, that's time that you can't spend, you know, in husbandry with your animals and your crops and stuff. Um, and so there were some, you know, competing guilds, and they used to write their plans. They have a like a tray with wax in it, and they draw their plans in this wax because they would get raided by like other groups. And if they got raided, they would just drop a candle on that wax and melt the plans. to keep all the knowledge to themselves because it was a it was a meal ticket you were trusting this patron to tax all the peasants and give you their money so that you could build this cathedral Um, and it was it was still the economic system was like you got paid and whatever you didn't spend on the cathedral you got to keep so there was like that perverse incentive you know to cut corners right so that's not familiar to anyone at all right right so uh there was a reason for them to hang on to that skill and that knowledge, which was, there's only so many cathedrals to go along and we got out of the rat race. We're not peasants anymore and I'll be damned if I'm going back, right? So we're gonna like hide that. Well, we have the internet nowadays, right? So to me, it's like the evolution and information availability and technology makes that behavior seem even farther back than the middle ages, you know, it's, it's, it almost seems like caveman behavior because you're pretending that you're some super secret skilled guy. I, you know, it's on YouTube like a hundred thousand times, you know, there's a lot of videos on that stuff. Right. Um, so I like that story about the the stonemasons in the middle ages, because, you know, it's, it's kind of what we're going through today um you know in in a lot of industries not just construction right and and the model's not relevant because the money is not being held by a king or a nobleman Um, it's not being dispersed on the basis of uh, pleasing somebody in power hopefully mostly you know in america uh, you know maybe a little bit uh, and the knowledge isn't stuck in somebody's head right i mean the the proliferation and availability of knowledge has changed the, the dynamic so i feel like we're in a the kind of world now where we can really capture people's creativity and guide people's creativity and still compete you know because there has been times in human history when that wasn't true i think it's true now and so the competitive advantage for a manufacturing company in the 70s might have been to be super efficient and that might not be their competitive advantage anymore.
2: I agree.
1: John, what do you think?
2: I think that. Oh, I'm enjoying oh the cigar, God. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying the cigar.
1: Show everybody the band. <laughs> so, show no,
2: everybody the band. Can't do film. it. Can't do Showing it. Them the band. band is held by my thumb and it will continue to be held.
1: <laughs> There's, oh, I forgot. No politics on this show.
2: No politics on the show. You're allowed to say you don't like politics or you like it, not allowed to name people and be held against it.
0: What's the brand?
2: cigar is Political named figure.
1: after that. It's What's named after a person. Yeah. yeah.
0: What's the brand on those sunglasses right
1: there? Not Persol. These are Persol okay. right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: those are gas stations. <laughs> no, but
2: to, to comment back on your thought, I think that job titles are kind of very reflective of that and the direction we're moving as a society is we're going to have less and less. Here's the black and white eight bullet points that you're in charge of. You're going to have more cohorts that's going to have a much broader, wider variety of comprehensive tasks that require critical thinking. And I think that's the only option that makes sense as we move forward in this world.
1: Yeah, and really, you know, when you look at uh, where people are at, right, every business has the choice to take advantage of people where they're at, right, to win uh, or to try to remake them. Right. So the, the Marines, for example, take the latter approach. And it's probably a good approach because you're giving 18 year olds deadly weapons and telling them to all play nice with each other. Right. But for the rest of industry, probably the prior approach is going to be much more effective and efficient in the long run. So look at LinkedIn. How many people have a job title in their profile? OK, so for the profile headline for the people that do have their job title in their headline, how many of those are white males over the age of 50? 99%, right? It's a, it's a cultural shift, right? Um, so people are trying to brand themselves. Self-branding is new, right? People trying to brand themselves based on the value they bring to the organization and to the team. There's a lot more emphasis on teamwork. Would you agree?
0: absolutely. And I, and I think I'm, I've been experiencing this over the last year. And what I've realized is you have your space inside your firm and that is your title. And that is your roles and responsibilities that maybe have been defined even now, including some of that critical thinking, you know, outside of the box ideas, but you also have this space externally. And that space is growing because the need to connect to people and the need to you know, look at this from a industry perspective and not just my individual perspective, my firm's perspective. Um, I, I, what I've seen is across the board is those silos are those silos are coming down, right. and we're seeing us collaborating and talking to people that we compete against, people that are firms that you know they may have their differentiator, we have our differentiator, but we're still collaborating because we want the industry to get better. And I've never seen it as much as I've seen it over the last year.
2: Yeah, We we actually hit that a lot in conversation offline, John, where uh, the competition and stomping out to take more of your own piece of the pie is pretty much dead. Like there's this old school, like 80s business philosophy, like you have to take the power move and do the strong thing. And your first day as a boss, you rearrange everybody's desks just to show you're the one in charge. But that, that's right, essentially right. dead. We're much more collaborating, even with direct competitors, to enlarge that pie instead of, you know, take more of the existing pie. Well,
0: it's been forced. I think it's been forced because of the workforce. Like right now, if we go out and think we're the best at everything we do when it comes to healthcare construction and that we want all the healthcare construction work, it's just not even feasible, number one. And number two, we got it, we put people on it. And with the workforce and the way that we're looking at things in general, like you have to look at strategy and you have to look at your business model and you have to look at things bigger than just, it's all about me. And we have trades. I mean, we have trades in our, in our industry that work for us, work for our competitors. We need them to work for us. So what are we doing to draw them in and to make them want to stay where we are and it's, I mean, my, my, money is always a factor. I'm never going to discount and say money's money doesn't matter. But again, if you're, if you're paying them the right wages and you're doing the things you're supposed to do, what is making them want to come work for you? And, and it, it matters now more than ever.
2: Yeah. Do you think we're going to get to a point in society where we actually care about what happens with that person outside of their working life? I feel like we need to, but do you think we'll ever actually reach that point?
0: I think, we're, I think we're starting to scratch that surface right now. I think we're starting to have those conversations and it's scaring the crap out of people because they're so uncomfortable talking about those things, but those conversations are gonna have to happen else, again, we're gonna lose them because if we're not having those tough conversations and those conversations that make us very, very uncomfortable, then we're not growing. We already know that. And number two, that they're just gonna go somewhere else because they can't. Right now, we've yeah. got to give them reasons to stay instead of trying to justify. Well, you know, maybe they can just leave. Like we can't do that anymore. If they're, we've got to give them reasons to 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 find the value in where they are.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Additionally, when we look at the dynamic, you know, between labor market, uh, business, changing culture, that sort of thing. Um, there's, there are certain elements of traditional business behaviors and structure that uh, just have to go away. Like they can't be adapted, right? There's some that can be adapted and then there's some that, you know, you just, you have to rethink it, right? So when we talk about these kinds of conversations, I've been having these for probably 10 years, right? With direct reports because uh, I actually like people and I talk to people about people stuff um, and, you know, they'll open up, but for, for years, uh, I had to be very careful because that was a strict no-no and HR would have a fit or legal would have a fit, you know, like you talked to this person about, you know, coming out with their sexual orientation. Like, you can't do that. You're not a therapist. We could be liable. I'm like, you're not going to be fucking liable. I just told them that I support you. And there's a lot of people that could take encouragement from you, you know, being your authentic self and do what you think is right. You know, like, what are they going to do? Sue me, right? Sue the company, because I said something, Uh, it's more, it was really more stemming from, you know, don't uh, associate us with anything that's not related to work. You're an agent to the company. You can't have an opinion on this. Well, I'm pretty fucking sure I do have an opinion on this. Right? Uh, good luck with that. Um, and I think that is a prime example of structures and really modes of thinking that permeated business for a long time that just aren't compatible. There, you can't like fix that. You just have to rethink it and come up with something different. And maybe that looks like uh, coaching and training and boundaries for leaders. You know, how do you talk to somebody whose, you know, child um, is going through uh, transition? For example, sexual transition, or how do you talk to somebody whose grandfather was, you know, is going through Alzheimer's and can no longer recognize you? And how do you talk to somebody about, you know, fill in the blank? Um, So maybe we need to think in terms of training people to have these kinds of conversations um, in order to allow leaders to be human and connect with people on a human level, because I think that's a non-negotiable for retaining talent uh, in today's workforce
0: i i john you're, you're spot on you said connect 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 connections about 10 different times and to me that's the key well that's the key i think you said it because it's so important the connections that we're making jesse and i had this conversation earlier today and yesterday it's right now creating the space for the connection so you, you create the arena but what are you doing to draw people into it so you can create the space and go hey we want We want transparency and we want vulnerability and we want healthy conflict and we want all these things because they're important to us, but no one shows up because you're, 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 you're saying it and it sounds great, but you're not doing it. And so if you're saying, Hey, we're going to do these things and let's assess them and let's make sure we're doing them. And if not, then what are we doing wrong? And let's make sure, I mean, that's again, going back to the voting. I mean, it goes back to your voting reference. It's like versus, Hey, let's create a space and let's do these things because they're important. And then people are drawn into it and they realize, hey, you'll ju- you're just as vulnerable as I am. You're asking me to do something, but you're, you're already in that space. And that's, again, one of the big pieces for me in this industry, not coming in with this very operational knowledge when it comes to building buildings, but you know, but people I can connect to. People, when I show up and I can be genuine and I can be transparent, I can be vulnerable and I show up that way every time, it, you're not going to have to question, okay, who, well, who is this? What's it for? What's the reason? My, my goal is to elevate every person around me and to help our industry get better. I mean, like, okay, who doesn't want that?
2: Well, i got a great story there that's even made it in my book. Um, I, you know, as you know, we previously worked together, John Thacker and John Thacker, And um, in my, you know, relentless pursuit of excellence and trying to climb that leadership level, um, I'm soliciting feedback. I'm like, give me literally anything that's gonna make me better walking into tomorrow. And one of the things John had pointed out to me was I bite my nails, I'm a chronic nail biter, and that my posture is bad. So when I sit in meetings, like group meetings where I would be in charge, my posture looks like I'm not very engaged and I'm biting my nails like I'm critically nervous all the time. And I just immediately thought, holy shit, is that the first time somebody was just genuine with me and gave me real actionable feedback I can take and change my behavior? As you can see, I've got beautiful nails. i <laughs> From actually changing my, my behavior after getting real feedback. And I thought that was so good that that made it into the book.
0: Well, I love that. I love that because when it was genuine, you have some people around you that are willing to, to give you that feedback and be honest about it. I got a piece of that probably – I'm going to say three or four years ago, I was in a big event, company event, and one that I was, you know, I was facilitating, I was in a kind of a leadership position, and um, you're coming in, I'm a, you know, I work in the construction industry, there's a lot of egos, there's a lot of things going on in there, and sometimes you have to kind of bow up and, you know, make your point, point. and we were having some conversations, and, and someone I very much respect looked at me, and he goes, Jennifer, you're just mean, And, and like, at first I'm like, no, I'm not. Whatever you have this, you get defensive. But again, after you take some step, you know, take a step back, you reflect. And that was good advice. Because again, he's someone that respects me and knows me and, and knows the person I am and what I can do. There's a lot of people that don't. And if I'm not thinking about my tone and my, you know, how I'm speaking to people and how I'm trying to make my point, I'm screwing myself.
2: Mm-hmm. right abs- absolutely and you're like six eleven, so i bet that's terrifying
1: <laughs> yes taller than uh taller than jesse that's for sure um, <laughs> yeah it's not saying much is it sorry jesse love you man uh, so uh culture people and lean right so here's my observation so i've served as senior continuous improvement manager uh, for one organization that's kind of like lean champion or you know similar to what you do um, but mostly i've served as general manager because that's what i'm good at you know running operations and some of them were lean some of them weren't a couple of them were actually lean uh, the rest of them were you know lean in name only i call it um, you know but they had like a continuous improvement silo that sort of thing And historically, I think the biggest challenge for companies that are trying to have a continuous improvement culture or be lean is getting the board of directors and the CEO to internalize the philosophy of we are going to maximize value to the customer by eliminating waste. By the way, cost and waste are not the same thing. We will probably have an entire episode on this. Cost and waste, not the same, don't confuse them. Um, Labor is a cost, labor is not a waste, okay? Uh, Anyway, that was the hardest thing to overcome. Um, And you have some companies that have developed a pretty effective lean playbook which is essentially you know when we start up a new operation we're going to follow this path because it's worked so well for us in the past Um, obviously that's less effective than having some people with a deep knowledge of lean and implementation guide every step but that can also be impractical particularly in periods of rapid growth or mergers and acquisitions which is very hot in a couple of markets right now a couple of business sectors Um, So uh, Bosch comes to mind, Danaher, um, Honeywell, Neovia Logistics. These are all companies that have like a lean playbook, right? And typically they have a certification strata, like, okay, you know, you're certified lean, now you're bronze, now you're silver, now you're gold, you know, Um, and to do that, you have to fulfill certain mandates. So that's kind of where we've been. I think that we have turned the corner. I can't you know, say this in any kind of official capacity, uh, but I think we've turned the corner to the greatest lever, the most important lever is now being able to connect with people, especially younger people, uh, and influence them and get them to work together as a team. Yes. Because in the past, like my dad's generation, and he would say this. Now, he was in the military, so you know, there's like a mindset thing there, but his approach was tell us what to do and then get lost. Right? The boss is supposed to come in and say, get this done. You have until lunch and then go away. Right? And we'll get it done 30 minutes before lunch and then, you know, we'll goof off for 30 minutes. Right? Um, that is a different generation. Right? Today's generation, if you tell them, get this done by lunch, They might just leave. They might just go outside and text somebody while ordering an Uber, you know, man, this place sucks. You wouldn't believe, you know, how mean this person is. They told me to do something. So that's my hypothesis that the primary lever for implementing lean and continuous improvement in the modern world is connecting with people, being able to influence them and get them to work together uh, as a team. Give me your thoughts on that.
0: Okay, I will and i'm just going to add at all levels, I think everything you just said I completely agree with. And it's at all levels, because for us and Morton our our lean approach, we call it building forward and it's balancing that culture of caring about every person touched by our projects with the um with lean tools and processes so we're not saying our lean stuff is, is building forward building forward is how we couple those together and make sure we're still focusing on that culture and people part and so within building forward which is where what i lead and kind of help facilitate is we have instead um, of champions because we've kind of gone down that road and you, you can there's good and bad you can have champions but they're not really experts at everything and so we realized that there was a better way to do this so we have building forward advocates And when you think about an advocate and what they are, the only requirement to be an advocate is you wanna do it. That's it. I mean, we have some that were, I mean, three months out of college. We have some that are senior superintendents that have been with us for 25 and 30 years. And it is the same role and it is a leadership position in our company and it is because you want to do it. And so it plays right into, ex- I mean, exactly what you just said, because the when, when they reach out to me and they say, I want to do this, or this is exciting, or I want to be that person on my job. Again, it does not put all of the implementation and everything on their shoulders. They are just now the person that is now kind of facilitating some of the things that are happening. And it, I mean, we have people coming in now, again, blocking and tackling basic foundation of building. We don't negate that. We have to be able to do your job. But you also know that because this is what we're doing across all of our projects, that it is important. And now you have a role to help us continue to do that forward. And it's it's really cool watching some of those people that got engaged and have kind of started trying to, to vet out, okay, what tools, what's not, where can I learn, what can the team do, and they're taking on that leadership role, those and being able to pull them in and facilitate meetings. So the leadership development and the learning culture that's been created because of that, just that has been amazing, exponential, going back to exactly what you said.
1: John, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, uh, I like to think of Jake comes to mind as one guy that's an advocate that's pulling the weight of this whole show most of the time. And <laughs> I just wonder how the Johns are going to try and live up to that you know, advocating, incorporating everybody, injecting some fun in it, but also making it meaningful, impactful, make a difference. That's what I wanna do at work and afterwards. When I wake up and I'm not on this podcast and I'm not at work, guess what? We're still having this conversation. We'll still call and have a really similar conversation where we dive into hey, what are your thoughts about like this aspect or that aspect and how we're gonna make functional change? I don't know, we'll probably write a book on here's our definition because in Lean, everybody's got their own slightly muddled definition of what that philosophy looks like. And I would like a deep dive. Here's what the philosophy is and just put all that into words somewhere. The Lean Bible, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting conversation that we've kind of been having for a while, right? And then there's always the, well, prescriptive or descriptive, right? I think, there's an element to that where there's a certain cohort, you know, out there in internet land that uh, believes that they have to be the expert and the gatekeepers, right? That's, that's true of a lot of industries. It's more true, I think in lean because it's not like becoming a doctor where you have to graduate from medical school and, you know, pass a standardized exam In that case, this doctor can have whatever opinion he wants, but there's, you know, my certification is just as valid as yours, buddy. And, uh, you know, there's medical journals and peer reviewed articles and that sort of thing. Um, And so it it creates some, maybe some slightly muddy waters. Um, I think a lot of industries are struggling from that right now just from information proliferation, including bad information. I mean, there's even like cyber ops out there like coming from the Kremlin, you know, to get us to disagree with each other and stuff like that. Um, A lot of misinformation. Um, So I think it would be helpful at some point, Jake, to go through that exercise and, you know, here's the uh, descriptive like link. You know, across I think it would
2: be cool, Jennifer, if we, like, gather, gathered our close circle of cohorts yeah. and, like, brainstormed that as a group. I think what are good. descriptive and prescriptive ideas around this philosophy? Because we all have the same general idea, but nobody's got a specific crisp. Here's your manifesto, you know, here's your mind comp, but not evil, you know, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I'm going to edit that out. That was terrible. That's a
2: terrible example. That, that is a terrible bad. example.
1: You could have said literally anything else yeah literally any other book <laughs> yeah this is your communist manifesto but not evil <laughs> we're not going to kill people um,
0: but it's like the standardizing the 5s it's when you're it. it's like it's great because you've done all this great and you've got it where it needs to be and now you're standardizing it for now and then yeah. okay and then it's like okay what's next how do how, yeah. how are you making it better so yeah. it's, i yeah. feel like there's nothing that's like okay here's here's the one best way who said that
1: yeah, there's definitely not a one best way, right? That, that like, if you think that, then you have no idea what you're talking about in lean or continuous improvement. That That's I can true. say, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I saw I saw something the other day where some guy was saying, you can't have lean construction or lean healthcare. It's really just uh, industrial engineering applied to manufacturing. I'm like, Wow. I'm you know, like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> first of all, how are you even allowed to have an opinion? You know, like there should be some sort of licensing body. Like you get to post online and you don't. And you know Yeah, we wouldn't uh, so have social
2: some... media if that was the case, John. Like we just <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you have, have social you. media.
1: Yeah, there would be three of us, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd, It'd be two Johns you. talking to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so there's a lot of just uh, weirdness out there. And, you know, so for folks that um, don't have like, haven't gone down the path of being in an organization that does CI well, with a mentor doing it, um, you, you might not know what to think. Right. Absolutely, And that ties into the conversation about culture and people, right, which is one of the aspects of lean in particular, um that sets it apart is its emphasis on senseis or teachers or guides, which is to say, you have to actually do it. you have to practice it. And I've kind of been uh, preaching this for a while about the soft skills in work. Like who's dumb enough to think you can read a book about baseball and play baseball? Literally nobody like, Nobody thinks that, but you think you can read the latest New York Times bestseller on leadership and be a good leader? Really? Like, do you actually think that? Pro- I mean, probably not, you know, um, but I still shell out the money every month. Uh, you have to practice it, right? There's some Absolutely. great books. Am um, um, I? Or am I? Uh, he has a good book on Kaizen. Um, There's a couple more on my bookshelf, uh, creating a lean culture by David Mann. you know, they're good books, but if you don't read chapter one and go do it in your workplace, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a nice story. It might make you feel good. Right. Same thing. Now in that case, we're talking about rearranging a work, cell to single piece flow and all of this stuff. Okay. But on the culture, the, the people side, the connecting, like you realize you have to practice that. You can't just have a uh, let's have a town hall, guys. We're really open to connecting with you and having relationships, so I hope you will avail yourself of this opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> right? Like, no, come on, that that's never going to work, right?
2: We have a dusty suggestion box for a reason.
1: <laughs> Don't, I was drinking coffee, man. You got to get <laughs> to wait till I put my cup right? Oh yeah, I I went into this one plant and uh, Jake knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say any any names cuz I don't want to, you know, embarrass any company publicly. That's not true. I want to. I'm not going to. Um they they had a, an employee suggestion board and there was stuff written on there that was 3 years old. Unresolved. So I went and I got alcohol because at this point the whiteboard, you know, was not a dry erase board anymore. that <laughs> after right. three years. And I scrubbed that shit off. And I was like, maintenance, you gotta take this board down because we're either going to use it or we're not going to use it. But we're not going to have employees suggest stuff and not do anything about it. And maintenance didn't take it down because we could never get anything done at that plan. But at least it was blank at that point. <laughs>
0: But I mean, but you, you hit a point that I think is so important when we ask for things, when we ask for feedback, when we ask for, you know, or, or when we're saying we value you, we value you and we want to know what you have to say. And there's multiple examples. The suggestion box is a great one. We have a job site that, um, you know, ask for suggestions for, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can, it could be anything. And in their next following team rally, so the following Tuesday, no matter what happened, every suggestion gets read to the entire team. Now, it is, yes, great, here's what we're going to do. Yes, we acknowledge this is a great idea. We can't do it because of this, but we're going to do this. So, again, even if they know that there's no way they can, you know, float the bathrooms from the third floor, whatever it is, it's like they they at least acknowledge we heard you and here's the reason why it's going to happen or why we can't do it or here's our, you know, here's the way that we're hoping we can at least accommodate some of that. And, again, that, to me, that's an awesome way to do it, but it's the same If you look at the daily huddles and you have people up there and you're going through the constraint board and those constraints, I mean, we know those are things that stop and and impact schedule. And somebody makes a comment and you weaponize any of that information, they will never, ever bring up anything again.
1: Yep, that's a great, that's a great point. Right. And that ties into the idea of practice, right? Like you have to do this. Over and over, and and by the way, you're gonna mess up. You know, like yes. I, I'm a really smart guy. You know why? Because I learn every time I fuck off, I have messed up. I am as a well. <laughs> yeah. As well. I mean, I will. I, I will be the first to tell you. Uh, everything I've learned about leadership, I learned from doing it the wrong way. Right. Um, so great, uh, great call out. But also, I feel like leaders can really benefit from self-reflection and taking time to think through how they want Jake, you're you're killing me, man. I
0: feel like I'm trying so hard to focus on you right now and it's so hard.
1: With two jobs and it's a little
2: rough. It's funny because that part's not gonna be on camera at all because it's speaker view.
1: Yeah, yeah, the camera switches depending on whose audio is being picked up. Um, But the practice of thinking through how you want to do stuff and self-reflection. I, I know we talked about this on Work It Out Wednesday. Shout out to Work It Out Wednesday for all our listeners. 7 p.m. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Be there, be square. Um, Jim was not
2: on the last one, so I'm gonna roast not, you in public. But, but I was, Respond now. Commit to I the next really, one
1: right now.
0: I will be Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. I will be in town. Yes, I will be there.
1: I really I will be traveling
0: like on an airplane. Yes.
1: Borderline abandoned last week, but you know, <laughs> we won't go there. Um, no, but we we talked about how. Um, I got somebody to resign in like five minutes, less than five minutes, right? They needed to leave the team, like it, he wasn't a good fit, right? Well, you know, how have I gotten to that level of effectiveness? Practice, but also reflection, right? So when I do something, I think about, did that go the way I wanted to and how could I make it better? It's PDCA, it's not just practice, right? So practice makes?
2: Yes. <laughs> more practice.
1: What does practice make? More practice.
0: Is anything perfect?
1: Practice makes permanent, not perfect. Right? No, I don't think so. Practice makes permanent. So, What are you drinking like, there?
2: What are you drinking there? Tell me what you're drinking there.
1: This? Uh-huh. It's a Starbucks house blend that I made in uh-huh. my French press.
2: If, it, if I was Jake today, I would just have a cheap soda. But since I'm John, I have some artisanal water from the mountains of Dew. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you have bad form and you're practicing your free throws, you're going to permanently have bad form. Right. So when I say practice, what I'm really talking about is the PDCA cycle applied to leadership and people and connecting and culture. So, you know, the first time that I had to write somebody up, uh, I couldn't sleep and I threw up like that morning. I'm serious, just a, like an attendance right now. I don't know why, and it didn't bother me because I understand, like, I can't really control the chemicals my body puts out in my bloodstream. Right. Um, so I just got up and read a book I'm like, well, damn it. If I can't sleep, I'm going to get something out of this time. <laughs> you know, obviously that's Um Now a thousand write-ups later, you know, I have to be intentional about putting empathy into it, you know, because now I'm on the other side of that experience curve where I'm like, come here sit down sign here get the fuck out of my office right um that's like the ditch on the other side of the road so to speak so this pdca cycle where you can hone those skills and how you interact with people so that you get what you want and you build the right culture so the employee suggestion box we had one at one site and i went through and the first thing i noticed was half of this stuff was written on like scrap paper. I mean, literally a torn strip of paper that somebody had got from something, you know, um, and I was like, Oh, yeah, we don't really have anything for them to write on. It's just a box with a slit in the top. Second, I couldn't read half of them. I mean, I, I just couldn't read them. You know, the the handwriting was too poor. Um, nobody had put their name on it. You know, some of them just said F you, you know, this company effing sucks, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, I got these instead i got a board right and in the board i put the areas you know like uh columns the main areas of the building and then this way i put um safety quality delivery cost or maybe it was the other way around but it was a matrix like that and i got these custom sticky notes that were you know about like about like that big i don't know if you can see that on the camera but half a sheet of paper i didn't I didn't uh, design them. I found them online, but it had like um, name uh, the SQDC silo you're trying to affect, like which area of the metrics you think this will help um, and what your suggestion is, and then a place to put your name. So I just bought those. Now they have something to write on. Right. I got those nice skillcraft government ballpoint pens that always write on everything. Put a box of those there. Plus, they're cheaper than Bix on Amazon. Um, So everyone could fill these out and stick them on the board in the right square. I demonstrated it and I just told people, you don't understand. I have to have your feedback. Do you really think I can manage a two and a half million square foot facility with 350 people and have all the good ideas? Get lost. There's no way, right? So it took some adjusting. But what I did was the very first month we had our monthly meeting. I took all of the suggestions off the board and everyone that had put their name on it, I read out loud in the meeting and I gave them an award. Even the ones that we couldn't, couldn't use their stuff. And all of a sudden people are like, Whoa, like this name thing, isn't so that you can fire me. Right. Instant change in behavior.
2: Yeah. A hell no is better than an I'm not listening.
1: Oh yeah. I would agree with that. I'd rather my boss say, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. So, oh,
2: Gen- Jennifer, are you doing anything in the construction industry today that's gamifying or making the conversation around, am I winning right now?
0: Like measuring or like just individual, like,
2: like growth. either both. What am I doing to celebrate the W? I had a good day at work.
0: Okay. So a couple of things is when I do, I do measure implementation and one of our categories is team health. And so again, that's, it's a little bit different because it's easy to measure. Nothing's easy in construction, but it's, it's a little easier when it's something that is quantifiable and tangible and you can touch it. But team health, I think what we found is uh, they they're able to kind of assess their own team health and we're what, what, we do with a lot of that conversation and a lot of the things that have to do with not just health, the team health impact and implementation, but also how that affects their job and the relationships on the job, is we take any of that data, all of it, you know, any, anything that, that they're sharing, and then we turn back around and we elevate that. We have monthly calls that um, are really focused on the things that are coming out of that, those uh, kind of those logs and what they're, and what they're sharing. And, um, and then elevate, I mean, my, again, elevate, 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 how do we take what they're giving me and elevate them? And I'm shining spotlights on, you know, I mean, co-ops and on, I mean, on anybody, craft workers, we've got, you know, we even bringing the executives in. And, and I know that sometimes it's like, well, why? Because you know what, when you got resistant executives and you start shining hot spotlights on them, then all of a sudden they realize that they're, they're part of this journey and they're part of this train. And 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 their people are engaged and they're on board, and it and it pulls them in. And again, I'm a, I'm a I'm I'm full full advocate of that pull system. Let's let's pull them in instead of saying, hey, here's what we're gonna do. And so highlighting them on those calls monthly um, is is in my mind huge. And then uh, we also have a system in place when it comes to providing support and resources and things like that and so ideas coming up through the system how is this being implemented and again elevating them internally we have like you know internal yammer and things like that but again i am all about shining the spotlight on anybody and everybody that's willing to let me know what they're doing
2: yeah if you hold the door open people literally speed up to come through it like that that's a real thing in the universe
1: yes well it's it's funny to me because Anybody with kids gets it, right? Like my kids are seven and eight now, right? if you want, yeah, if you want anything out of your kids, all you have to do is praise and encourage them. Even if you don't know what you want out of them, right? You can just praise and encourage them. So I don't have a specific behavior in mind when I want my daughter to behave at school, but I can say things like, Alana, when you're kind to your classmates and teachers, it helps everybody work together. And they like that and they'll like you, right? I don't prescribe behaviors for her. Don't do that, do that. But I do speak to her emotional state. And, hey, if you stay in this box, that's in alignment with what you want at a school, right, you'll have more friends if you do it this way, right, that sort of thing. Um, So it's, it's part of human nature. And we know that sometimes we just struggle to bring it to work, I think, right. And that's why we're having these conversations, because that needs to change. And it's a, a critical lever uh, for future success for a lot of businesses.
0: I think it's the lifestyle, that that lean lifestyle. We talk about it, we say it, and it's, it's universal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I take the hat off when I walk off the job.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Really,
0: I mean, we Jesse and I are highlighting that in, in the collab sessions we're doing on just how, how it transcends. And if you really believe it, like you really live it and you believe it, then it, it, it's a lifestyle. Like it's the way you live and the way you interact with people and it it can transcend one verse. I mean, you can go back and forth and it can bring it in and it can take it home. But then it's it impacting, you know, so many things when that's what you believe and that's how you show
2: up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Speaking of which, Jennifer Lacey, five in personal relationships on Clubhouse, right? Um, yes. Saturdays. I don't know how long, long that'll uh, go on, but uh fantastic really appreciate that yeah linkedin live um i was uh on there this morning and uh nice yeah i really appreciate uh that conversation the openness authenticity and philosophy there so thank you to you and jesse for that uh running up on an hour we got to shut this thing down so how can folks connect with you jennifer
0: Um, I'm on one platform just because I don't have enough time to do more than one. So I am only on LinkedIn. Um, If you just type in Jennifer Lacey, I don't think there's very many of them. But if not, you'll find me. It's not hard.
1: I will put your link down below so people will have no trouble connecting with you. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this week. From John and John and Jennifer to everybody out there. in podcast land. Goodbye.
2: (laughs) See you later. Come on.